to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Dylan, and with me is the curative Brent and the cacophonous Forrest. Ooh, cacophonous. Ooh. Does that mean I make a lot of noise? Oh, yeah. You're making all the noise all the all time. Right. Yeah. And hey, you know what? Ding, What's ding, the ding, holiday ding, today, Dylan? Look at that. Look at that noise. <laughs> well, if the cacophonous forest was shut up, I would be able to hear your question. <laughs> yeah, I asked what the holiday was. I'm doing a little throwback to the beginning of the podcast. Oh, Remember that time? Yeah, Frank? we haven't done that in a while. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean it's been well, a while? Okay, every podcast guys, is a holiday. What are you talking about? Every every day is a holiday, really, literally. Uh, in case you guys didn't know, it's uh, today it's Sunday, November 10th, and it's the birthday of the United States Marine Corps. Oh. So, and I only know this, and I only know this actually by looking at the president's Twitter feed, which it's sandwiched between all capitalized screams about the perfect Ukraine call and witch hunts. So, a normal Sunday view, basically. Yeah, I um, I saw you were talking about perfect directors. Yes. Um, and so that is a slightly different take on the perfect things you can talk about on social media. Okay, so what is it we're talking about today then, Dylan? Today we're actually talking about something related to both the Marine Corps and Trump. And perfection. We are talking about, (laughs) and perfection, absolutely. (laughs) We are talking about Frank Dukes and the blood sport myth. If you don't know who Frank Dukes was, his life was the basis for the 1988 Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, Bloodsport. And if you haven't seen the movie Bloodsport, don't. <laughs> it is a movie which was listed by Trump as one of his favorites. Oh, I forgot. I forgot it's listed as, as one of Trump's favorite films. <laughs> Makes yes, that, that was one of the last details I uh, recall it's, doing this uh, episode. If Perfect. I remember correctly from reading the article, he would watch it on his airplane all the time. And he would always fast forward just to the violence. I remember that was the, the thing. <laughs> I I hate to admit that might be the best way to watch it. Like if you have to watch it. <laughs> it's actually true, actually. So we're going to start the episode with Frank Dukes's version of his life story. And this is according to the biography on his website. It starts with this. Frank Dukes was born in Toronto in 1956, the oldest son of, quote, Holocaust survivors. And I thought At the very least, the very first sentence of his bio would be plausible, but already we're being thrown into doubt. So he wasn't born in Toronto then, huh? Got that wrong. Yeah, exactly. I mean, clearly, clearly he was born in Ottawa. (laughs) The LA Times quotes Dukes about his father's brand of parenting. Quote, he would play games with me to expand my awareness. Sometimes he would throw things at me unexpectedly to improve my reflexes. Uh, I wonder if he also threw LSD at him to expand his awareness Ooh, as well. Maybe. Ooh. Actually, I'm, I'm pretty sure, though, expanding your awareness is best done by directly drilling a hole into your head. If I've learned anything. Yeah, he would unexpectedly throw the hand drill and he had to catch <laughs> it with his forehead. Ah, I think that's, uh, that's that's the way they did it there. And then you throw the tab of LSD into the <laughs> hole in the forehead. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you get high forever that way. The Dukes family moved to the San Fernando Valley in the early 60s. Quote, martial arts scholars, according to Dukes, refer to this area as the Valley of Champions because, quote, the San Fernando Valley is where leading martial art trade magazine and book publishers were located. (laughs) That's a pretty good reason. And uh, further, Duke says that it was, quote, the figurative mecca for martial artists. And I got to say, thank God he had the figurative in there or I would have been very confused. Oh, yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I would have thought he was referring to Mecha Godzilla. That would be. Really yeah, funny. exactly. That's yeah. what that's what I was thinking as well. Yeah. Well, if you know, I was I was thinking if one were to apply martial arts skills at Mecca, like when you're going to Mecca, you would really have the upper hand at being the very first one to get your hand on that black stone that everybody's circling around. Mm, yes. And ninjas would be able to hide in plain sight in Mecca. So that makes sense. That would be a great Bruce Lee challenge. Like who can touch Mecca first? Yeah, (laughs) I like that reality show. The the Black Stone at Mecca. Sadly, though, Dukes couldn't afford the tuition necessary to train with these world-class martial artists. But he did find a way to, quote, audit his way Hmm. to mastery. Now, what the hell does this mean, you ask? Quote, Frank Dukes stood on the outside looking in the sidewalk 
his mat. <laughs> oh, well, that explains it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just stood on the sidewalk watching people, and that's him auditing martial that's arts not lessons. creepy at all. Grandmaster Bill Ryusaki talked about this time in Dukes' life in a 2002 documentary about the Kumite that Dukes doesn't bother to name. Quote, Frank was just a kid then. He cleaned the sidewalk and kept the Ryu Dojo windows clean, and I kept my blinds open for him to watch and learn. I tried to send someone to invite him in, but he would leave before he would give me a chance to speak. Fun fact, though, so Dukes does not name this documentary. He just says a 2002 documentary about the Kumite. But I learned that Bloodsport came out on DVD in 2002, so I really hope that's what Dukes is talking about <laughs> yeah, as a documentary. Yeah. I, I always thought that Bloodsport was Errol Morris's finest film, personally. I'd actually love to see a documentary about how well these sidewalks and windows were getting cleaned. Let's get into the details on that. That's Karate Kid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, kar- I'm, I'm waiting for Dukes to claim that Karate Kid was based on him. I mean, there's just a matter of time before that happens. <laughs> Also, so we're bringing up the Kumite. This is the main tournament featured in the movie Bloodsport. Yeah, it's the no holds bar one, right? It's it's actually one yeah, of my favorite. No holds barred. <laughs> my favorite scenes of Bloodsport because I just rewatched it again. Sadly, the other day is there's a scene where they're showing this no holds bar montage where all these people are fighting, and there's one where it looks like two opponents are basically just dancing around each other. <laughs> it's like I'm pretty sure that's just a dance. It's not really. <laughs> Fighting, but it was very beautiful. And uh, the all the fights were choreographed by Frank Dukes. Oh, oh, which makes sense. That's why it's so great. And I just have to add a disclaimer here. So this quote from Grandmaster uh, Bill Ryusaki, this is Dukes claiming that he said that Dukes does not provide any sources for any quotes he uses. So keep that in mind as the episode progresses. So we uh, do not take a stand on the truth or falsity of any of the quotes that Tooks uses in his own biography. Fair and balanced. We also don't take any stand on the truth or falsity of this next bit because <laughs> Dukes's audited martial arts education appeared to be a success based on his moral victory over Victor Moore in 1969. And in case you're keeping track, that would mean that Frank Dukes was 13 at the time. <laughs> So, okay, so he's auditing martial arts as a toddler. Yeah, it, he came out of the womb practicing. <laughs> Victor Moore had recently defeated the, quote, thought unstoppable Mike Stone. Moore had 91 straight wins under his belt and always came in first place. And another fact that's this is mentioned in Duke's biography is that Victor Moore beat Bruce Lee in a test of speed. And this is actually probably a piece of bullshit in its own right. And we just don't have the time to get into it here because Duke's life story is fractally dishonest. (laughs) As soon as you begin fact checking any part of it, you got to dig into more lies. (laughs) And this is one of the examples. Yeah, he tried to like block one of Bruce Lee's punches and apparently he did it. But there's all sorts of controversy yeah, about no, whether or not this yeah, actually happened. No, no, no. It's actually not as straightforward as go watch the video. You have to slow it down a trillion times. And it's not clear that he blocked Bruce Lee. So how did Dukes get this moral victory over Victor Moore? And you'll see why I have to say morally in a bit. In an unnamed location, Dukes walked up to Moore and asked if he remembered what Moore had told him two years earlier. Quote, to be the best, you have to fight the best. Now, what we don't know from Dukes's bio is if Moore actually answered this question about whether he remembered it. But we do know that Dukes followed up this question by politely asking if he could fight Victor Moore. Ah, at least he's courteous and asking if he could kick his ass. Yeah, exactly. Nice. He's being very nice. Now, Moore thought this was all a joke and he was like, yeah, sure. Take your best shot. Being an extraordinarily abnormal person, Dukes did just that. He struck Moore in the nose with a back knuckle. What's a back knuckle? Isn't there only a back knuckle? I wasn't going to investigate it because there would be more lies I would have to dig through. It's some kind of fancy punch (laughs) involving your knuckles, probably the back of them. That makes sense. This was followed by 10 to 15 minutes of fighting without any officials present. Moore later recalled this fight, quote, Finally, there was no winner. Everybody who was around just hooting and hollering. They couldn't believe what took place. Mike Stone, who had just got beat, his shoulder broken by me in the final round from being swept. And there's Frank Dukes, an overgrown, awkward looking kid taking me on, matching my speed, power and determination. It impressed me and everyone watching him. Sweep the shoulder, Johnny. (laughs) Oh, 
Ugh. Wrong movie. More recently, in 2004, Moore had this to say about their history-making match. Quote, Not trying to take anything away from Bruce Lee, Bill Superfoot Wallace, Joe Lewis, Chuck Norris, Jim Kelly, and Mike Stone are just a few of the great fighters I fought and defeated as a world champion. <laughs> but my two most memorable fights I ever had are with the only guy I couldn't beat, Frank Dukes. I would say to him, this is what I'm going to do, and pop him, and I'd say, you ready? I'm going to do it again, and I'd do it. But then he would give it right back to me. He'd better me with my same combo, and every combo I used, he adapted and made it his own and better. I was fast as they come, but Frank Dukes was faster. Faster than all of us back then, including Bruce Lee. I told everyone this was the up-and-comer to watch. Yeah, you know, on our uh, website, you can go check out the YouTube clip, and you can see if it's true that whether or not Moore blocked Bruce Lee's punch. But also, I'm sorry, Moore did not defeat Bruce Lee in a match. I mean, come on, please. I want to know more about Bill Superfoot Wallace, personally. It's a pretty good name. That's a great name. I also just want to be very clear again. Dukes is the one claiming Victor Moore said all of this. We have no evidence Victor Moore knows anything about any of these quotes. Also, I think everyone's getting, yeah, we're getting off track here. I think what we we miss is the most important thing, that Frank Dukes is faster than everyone always. He's so fast that no one could even document it. And that's why we have, there's no documentation of any of his claims. Ah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. That I mean, that's The thing is, we're given Dukes ideas. He will true. reach for that at some <laughs> point in the future. It is like a finger pointed at the truth. Do not concentrate on the finger or you'll miss all the heavenly glory. Now, even though Dukes did not win the fight with Victor Moore, witnesses of the fight from the Black Dragon Fighting Society were so impressed with Dukes that they made him an official member of the society, the youngest in their history. Through the BDFS, Dukes became a formal student of the legendary Sanzo Tiger Tanaka. Tanaka was a former member of the Black Dragon Society, an industrial spy ring. It is unclear if this is distinct from the Black Dragon Fighting Society, since Tanaka apparently belongs to both. Mm. I So I don't know. There's a Black Dragon Society and the Black Dragon Fighting Society. Just make mm. sure you remember that. First rule of Black Dragon Society, we don't talk about Black <laughs> Dragon Fighting Society. Yeah, very different, very different. In order to find fighters qualified of acting as enforcers for the spy ring, the Black Dragon Society would hold no-holds-barred, full-contact fighting events. These would become the event known as the Kumite. And the Kumite was even the basis for MMA, for mixed martial arts. Ah, which MMA is the basis for... Or Joe Rogan, which is the basis for Tulsi Gabbard. Fuck it. Download oh, process. Boom. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> everything like to think of is connected. Joe Rogan as the base <laughs> basis of Tulsi I Gabbard. Basis of <laughs> She's the primordial ooze from which she sprang. <laughs> now, Sanzo Tanaka was portrayed in the 2006 Jet Li film Fearless. But I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wasn't that film about early 20th century Chinese martial artist Hu Yuanjia? I, literally every listener to the podcast was thinking that, Dylan. I clearly. know, it's just such <laughs> common knowledge. Um, True. But honestly, I didn't know that. But I learned it reading the intro to the Wikipedia page on the movie Fearless. And I also learned by reading that entry that that paragraph was copied and pasted directly into Dukes' official bio and Uh-oh. even the hyperlinks were left in. <laughs> so, well, that makes it handy to do further research if you want to. Yeah, exactly. He's just copying and pasting it right in there. You don't even no. have to go to a different tab. Dylan, you got it wrong. He edited the Wikipedia page himself and then Ooh, copied and pasted yeah. what he'd written That's into Wikipedia good, into his book. That's a good point. That's a good, good point. point. Because Tanaka and other members of the BDFS participated in the Kumite, Dukes was also offered an invitation as depicted in the movie Bloodsport. So Dylan, you once said in the Hell House bonus episode, if you want to hear that, you have to pay five bucks and be our patron. But you you said something to the effect that there's nothing more pathetic than dudes, you know, playing guitar, rocking out in khakis. Yes. So that was <laughs> a thing, you, I stand by a thing that. you said, but I think you're actually wrong. You might be wrong. There is something sadder. It's doing martial arts in khakis pulled up to your nipples. <laughs> happens at Bloodsport. 
stairs. <laughs> a sad look. Doesn't seem to, but very 80s. So. <laughs> that's fair. That's and fair. Actually, since we're on the topic of the movie, um, another highlight I really enjoyed is when uh, Jean Claude Van Damme smacks those bricks and they explode from the bottom of the pile. Yeah. That's not how things work. The death touch. In the real world. <laughs> the <laughs> dim mock. In 1975, Dukes joined the Marines and became an intelligence specialist involved in the USSR and Iran-Contra. Major General Anatoly Komeyenko from the former USSR notes Dukes' accomplishments, quote, In early 1983, I received an order from the military command to provide necessary assistance and cooperation to a joint military group known then as Officer Dukovny's group. This group was to carry out military operations in Soviet territories under my command. The leader of the group, Officer Dukovny, was Frank Dukes. Frank Dukes was dubbed the Hunter. He was in the Soviet Union for just a few weeks when our intelligence received information about the exceptional talents of the Hunter and his unique ability to investigate extremely dangerous and complicated matters. Hey, here's another fun fact. John claude Van Damme was originally cast in Predator before he was replaced by Arnold Schwarzenegger, huh? which is a shame because clearly only an actor that played someone known as the Hunter in another film could truly face off against the most fierce extraterrestrial hunter in the galaxy. See, I, I definitely agree with that, but <laughs> I thought Jean-Claude Van Damme was going to play the Predator itself. I thought that's who replaced him. Oh, oh. no, that that was actually Steve Bannon. Um, <laughs> oh, fact. his only role, if I'm not mistaken, his only acting role. But. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Actually, I, I found this on a Wikipedia page. and I thought, thought it kind of relevant. Van Damme was nominated for a Golden Raspberry Award for Worst New Star, but lost to Ronald McDonald and McEnany. <laughs> Very strange sentence. I got That say, is harsh competition. If there's one movie worse than Bloodsport, it's McEnany. <laughs> yeah, that is a terrible movie. Speaking of uh, the incredible success of Bloodsport, it came out in 1988 and is, quote, considered by many film critics as well as martial arts authorities to be one of the greatest martial arts films ever made, surpassing an audience views <laughs> wow. and frequency it is replayed, Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon. Even if true, which is not, people watch Enter the Dragon to watch an awe of Bruce Lee. People watch Bloodsport to laugh at how awful it is. So let's just yeah. set the record straight here. But he can do the splits really well. God yep. damn it. It's in his contract, I think. His He's got to do the apart. splits in every movie. Yeah. <laughs> And in case you wanted even more Bloodsport, there were two direct-to-video sequels of Bloodsport, and they were not at all successful compared to the original. And Dukes has his own theories about why this is. Quote, they're lacking Frank Dukes' input as a fight choreographer, which Dukes performed in the original, as well as straying from the based-on-true-events story resulted in the franchise's failure. Bloodsport fan clubs complain they felt cheated desiring the return of Frank Dukes' story and character. Again, let's just cut the bullshit. I mean, let's just get real. The reason that people didn't see this these other uh, sequels is because Jean-Claude Van Damme wasn't in them. Yeah. He yeah. was actually too busy being a guest star on the show Friends, oh. which is real. That, that actually happened. Um, I think it was the one where Joey trepans himself, if I, if I remember the right I, I episode. I believe we've mentioned that episode of Friends before, yeah, I, if I'm not mistaken. Go check out our psychedelic cult series. Kind of a blue episode in the uh, Friends yeah. catalog. Speaking of the movie, too, at the end of the movie, I know I was sending you picture texts of this while I was watching it. It's at the end of the movie of Bloodsport, we get some very helpful, completely incorrect information. On the screen, it says, quote, this motion picture is based upon true events in the life of Frank W. Dukes. From 1975 to 1980, Frank W. Dukes fought 329 matches. He retired undefeated as the world heavyweight full contact Kumite champion. And the last uh, thing says Mr. Dukes still holds four world records. These are my favorite. Fastest knockout, 3.2 seconds. <laughs> Fastest punch with a knockout, 0.12 seconds. <laughs> Pretty sure it's a 0.12 seconds. Who was, like, who was wow. timing? <laughs> who was, they had an atomic clock. Fastest kick with a knockout, 72 miles per hour. Not really sure why we're using two different measuring ways. <laughs> To do the kick and the punch. I don't know. <laughs> 72 miles per hour. Uh, some cops there with a the gun. Uh, last one. Most consecutive knockouts in a single tournament. 56. Just in case you guys are keeping track. That all comes from Frank Dukes. So is any of it true? Uh, the answer is probably not. Aww. So once Bloodsport was oh, released, uh, more attention was paid to Dukes's life story. And one of the first articles on Dukes was written by the LA Times right after Bloodsport's release. I think it was around the three-month mark. First, 
What did they uncover about Dukes's military record? Because again, he's, you know, in the Marines, he was doing intelligence work. He was doing all sorts of secret stuff. That former general that's totally real from the Soviet Union said so. <laughs> and also, Dukes was saying in the brochures for his ninjutsu school, they say, quote, Dukes is one of the most decorated veterans of the Southeast Asian conflict. So, wow, that's pretty impressive. That's amazing. And Dukes also shows visitors to his home a Washington Star editorial about him called A Silent Hero, which includes an apparent quote from the diary of a commanding officer, quote, we're hungry, we're tired, we're all out of ammo. We all might go mad if not for a spunky kid named Duke for short. <laughs> The diary describes Dukes crawling through a minefield to rescue an Asian baby that he later turned over to a ah. Taoist priest. Oh, that that's actually a shame. You should always return your found Asian babies to a set of a contest priest. That's not yeah. you don't go Taoist. Yeah, this is before he converted. The okay. supposed diary of the commanding officer continues when we almost gave up the Duke by himself charged the gun. The next thing you know, the Duke was behind the gun, cutting the enemy to pieces. He must have killed a hundred. At least he turned defeat into victory. He's the most cacophonous silent hero ever. <laughs> cacophonous silent yeah. hero. Now that is all <laughs> that is all very impressive. But it wasn't from the Washington Star, as the LA Times checked with them, and they had no record of this editorial. And uh, so they asked Dukes about this, and he changed his mind and said he just forgot where the article was from. So you know. Bye. Some phantom editorial. I mean, yeah, yeah, I got to say, I think it was just the fake news media covering up their own story. That's the yeah, most plausible you know explanation. Was, here. You know, it was. Actually, I think uh, Frank Dukes just got himself confused with an article about John Wayne, maybe, or something like that. Mm, yeah, yeah. The Duke. Okay, so, you know, whatever. So just because he doesn't know where this editorial comes from, it's still impressive. It's still someone wrote it, and it's very impressive. Unfortunately, the truth might be a little different. Quote, from the LA Times. Military records show that Dukes never ventured closer to Southeast Asia than San Diego. <laughs> Same His only known war injury occurred when he fell off a truck he was painting in the motor pool. What the fuck? You know, you would think with such sidewalk and window cleaning skills, this sort of injury wouldn't happen to Dukes. It's just... <laughs> he didn't do it. He, well, the problem was, while he was hanging out on the sidewalk and cleaning the windows, he was auditing the martial right, arts classes. Right. He wasn't actually So he cleaning. wasn't yep. paying attention to standing windows. and washing windows. <laughs> and he wasn't learning those valuable skills. So the truth is, Duke served in the Marines in some capacity from 1975 to 1981, but never left the United States. As Soldier of Fortune puts it, Dukes is a, quote, former low-ranking commo technician in a Marine Reserve Artillery unit. Well, a commo technician is much better than being a commie technician, so that's good. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. He was also referred to a psychiatrist on January 22nd, 1978, because he expressed, quote, Flighty and disconnected ideas. <laughs> what ideas were those? The idea that despite only being an active duty for a short period, given he was in the reserves, that he worked for an intelligence agency. He had a follow-up appointment on April 18th that declared him normal, and that the only truth behind his flighty and disconnected ideas about his intelligence work consisted of, quote, Cursorily involved in gathering information about one individual. All this proves L. Ron Hubbard and Thomas Zaw is correct. Psychiatry has failed us. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. They declared him normal. By the way, we do have a really fun series on mental illness denialism. You should check it out. That's Unless you're Frank Dukes, it might yes. trigger you. That's true. Now, what is Dukes's response to all this? Like, what does he have to say when people question him on his record? It's very simple. The government is lying about his military record. Mm. They're worried that he knows too much about other covert actions that the military wants to hush up. So they preemptively trashed his record to ensure he had no credibility. Oh, I thought it was because people preferred war heroes that aren't captured. <laughs> Could be it too. Besides the issue with his service, there is also confusion regarding the medals he was awarded by the military. According to Dukes, he was forced to pester the military to get recognition for his covert actions. Eventually, his tenacity paid off. Quote, One day, he said, he received a phone call and went to an address in West Los Angeles where he was handed a paper bag filled with medals. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> you would think that the military would at least go with like a fancy embroidered tote bag or something, you know, not a paper bag, <laughs> someone's lunch bag, is like a tuna sandwich in there with it. Come on. This is maybe unacceptable. It's this, the same paper bag that was delivered to Lyndon LaRouge that we talked about before he gave his speech. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what was delivered in the paper bag. Do you guys remember? I don't remember. I <laughs> but it probably was the same paper bag. Uh, yeah. Just go look up the Lyndon LaRouge series, everyone. Um, there's a part where he's delivered something on the eve of election in a paper bag, but I don't remember what it was. And it's probably a bunch of medals, I think. Yeah. The first listener who finds out what that is, we will follow you on Twitter. Yes. That will, that will be the uh, the gift. We'll give you a gift and exactly. we'll uh, shout you out on Twitter. Yes, do it. That's, you know, that's how in, we're too lazy to do it on our own. And so we're outsourcing it. We're crowdsourcing it to all of our lovely listeners. Now, it appears that just as the military scrubbed his military records of his intelligence work, it also scrubbed his military record of any military awards as well. Marine Lieutenant Colonel David Tomsky noted another problem with Dukes's military awards. After seeing a photo of Dukes wearing ribbons out of sequence, he concluded that the medals and ribbons were not Dukes's at all. There is also a bizarre incident where Dukes went to his former high school teacher's class to show them, quote, boxes and boxes of medals, <laughs> including a medal of honor, according to the teacher, Joe Feinstein. Dukes has an explanation for this incident, quote, I spoke to that teacher and to that class and made it clear that it doesn't become official until the orders are declassified. Mm. Now, the article isn't super clear on this. It just says that this happened in recent years. And so I think they're trying to indicate that this incident would have happened before he got the paper bag filled with medals because <laughs> um, it's unclear what he's explaining. I don't know. So I just want to give that that out. Dukes felt the need to explain. L.A. Times felt that he needed to explain. And that's my best assumption hmm. is that this would have happened before he got the medals in a paper bag, not an expensive tote, but a paper bag. <laughs> now, what is clear, according to Lieutenant Colonel Tomsky, is that the Medal of Honor is never awarded secretly. And so this explanation doesn't make very much sense. Wait, wait, that's wait. what Duke says, that he got the Medal of Honor secretly. You're, wait, you're telling me that some of the stuff may not be true? Uh, I just yeah. want to make sure I'm following yeah. this right. okay. uh, Yeah, I'm sorry. It's possible. And so I did some research on this. I was wondering if it's true today, because again, this article was written in 1988. And it is. So a USA Today article from 2016 confirms this. And it says that while many Service Cross and Silver Star awards are given secretly, quote, medals of honor are not awarded in secret. I think it's only the medals of dishonor that are awarded in secret. Mm, that could be true. <laughs> also, medals are never awarded to Wookiees, secretive or otherwise. Right. Oh, yeah. No, they don't deserve them. No. Fuckers. Exactly. In fact, this rule appears so important that portions of secret missions are made public just to award someone the Medal of Honor. Huh. This happened to Senior Chief Petty Officer Edward Byers, who was awarded the Medal of Honor after saving an American doctor from the Taliban in 2012. Quote, Byers' surpassing heroism is the reason details of the mission were made public. So they take the non-secretive nature of the Medal of Honor very seriously, where mm -hmm. they'll actually declassify portions of secret missions in order to award it. And another little fun Medal of Honor fact that I learned is that Dukes often uses the phrase, won the Medal of Honor. And all the military people I looked at say that this isn't the way you should speak. The correct phrase is you are awarded the Medal of Honor uh, because it isn't a contest. There's that high and mighty philosophy PhD Dylan guy going around <laughs> telling normal people how to talk. There it is. Yeah, he's yelling winning at everything is a normal way to communicate. <laughs> this is all the military people, all right? I'm just listening to them. And kind of the last thing about the, because uh, there's a picture of Dukes wearing the Medal of Honor. And Lieutenant Colonel Tomaski notes that the photo of Dukes wearing that Medal of Honor, it's for the army. It's like each kind of branch has a different design for the Medal of Honor. And even though Dukes was in the Marines, it's the army Medal of Honor. I just assumed Dukes is like the Bo Jackson of military men. I assumed he was in every branch of, uh, of the military because he's uh, the best at everything. Again, again, I feel like we're giving Dukes too many explanations that he doesn't deserve. You're right, right. Because, but that's not, so Dukes' current explanation is this, is that, you know, again, he blames the government. Sadly, he can't get them to explain why he was awarded medals from different branches of the government. <laughs> 
But he does have another strategy. So that's one. His second strategy is to just gaslight people and say <laughs> that he never told them he won the Medal of Honor in the first place. That's a good strategy. This was the experience of Bloodsport screenwriter Sheldon Ledich. Quote, he even tried to convince me that he'd never told me he won the medal or that he'd even shown it to me. But by then, his entire house of cards had collapsed and nearly everyone knew he was just a delusional daydreamer and a big bullshit. <laughs> oh, whatever. This is all just M-O-H-D-S. Medal of Honor Derangement Syndrome, guys. Come on. That's not... That's not I wonder if this screenwriter actually wrote into the script at the end this is based on the true life events of frank dukes yeah this is like tony schwartz he's like the tony schwartz of frank dukes yeah right (laughs) kind of the last the last thing to say about his military record comes from the blog military phonies which is incredible and you should go there it's militaryphony.com i've been kind of obsessed with it for the past few days they cover all sorts of (laughs) stolen valor cases cases where people pretend to be in the military or pretend to have military awards that they do not have. And you know, sociopaths. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And they have a very useful article on Frank Dukes and they've got, it's an incredible digital archive of kind of all the various articles. And we got a few of the soldier of fortune articles that we use uh, later on in the episode came from them. So uh, again, I would highly recommend checking them out. It's fascinating stuff. And their big thing is they do freedom of information requests on anybody they cover to see exactly what their army record is. And this is what they learned via Freedom of Information Act request about Dukes. He did not go to an intel school or any military education for that matter. He was awarded no awards, including Vietnam or Southeast Asian medals, Purple Hearts, Silver Stars, BSM or DSCs, and no Congressional Medal of Honor. He never went to Vietnam. In fact, he had no combat history at all. Was he also stricken by the horrible, horrible, horrible bone spurs pandemic going around during this time? I don't it know. Could have been. That. that might be why he fell while he was <laughs> painting that that truck or whatever. <laughs> and as mentioned above, according to the kind of FOIA request that military phonies did, Dukes was in the U.S. Marine Reserve Corps and was active duty for only 130 days. This doesn't mean he was in combat or anything. Reservists go on active duty to go into basic training or to go into like boot camp, basic training, basic school for your MOS, which is your military occupational specialty. And so it's very likely he was a reservist who was only active duty to do those kind of trainings and that he really didn't do much of anything else. You know, I got to say, Frank Dukes is about as credible as Bob Lazar. So I think he sh- should go yeah, on to Joe right? Rogan's show and Joe Rogan can say at the end, I believe you. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised he hasn't been on Joe Rogan's show yet. Yeah. So that's his military record. What about the martial arts record? I think that's what people really care about. They want to know about the Kumite. They want to know about him kicking all that ass like he did in Bloodsport. Let's start with the legendary Tiger Tanaka, the kind of legendary martial artist who taught Frank Dukes everything he knows. Everything he knows that he didn't learn on the sidewalk. When the LA Times article was written in 1988, they couldn't find any evidence of such a person fitting the shifting timeline Dukes produced. Uh, And we discussed this aspect further below in the episode. But regardless of whether any such man existed, Shoto Tanamura, a ninja master, according to the LA Times, said he had never heard of Dukes or Tanaka, quote, There is no Mr. Tanaka in Japanese history of the ninja families. One Hmm. place you can definitely find a Tiger Tanaka is in Ian Fleming's novel, You Only Live Twice. Of course, says Dukes, (laughs) since Fleming based his characters on real people that he knew. And that's why that name is in that book. Other great historical figures include Blofeld, Dr. No, Scaramanga, Pussy Galore, Goldfinger, and Alec Trevelyan. Just so (laughs) you know. Very important figures in world history. The Kumite itself is sadly of dubious origin. While Bloodsport takes place in Hong Kong, the actual Kumite, quote unquote, took place in the Bahamas in 1975. The LA Times decided to ask Kenneth Wilson, a spokesman for the Ministry of Sports in the Bahamas, whether that was true. He said, quote, we have no recollection of such a tournament. But the LA Times replied, It was supposedly a secret tournament. Ah. Wilson, in response, said, quote, We would know, no, never. 
it can't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm gathering from this is it basically happened. Got it. Yeah, there's no indication if Kenneth Wilson winked while he was saying <laughs> yeah. any of this. We, his you know, fingers we didn't cover that in the article. I think he's a crisis actor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> could be. Dukes claims a large trophy was awarded to him in 1980 for his victory in the Kumite. The LA Times was able to determine that the base and ceramic plaque were actually made by a trophy shop in West Hollywood. <laughs> Upon hearing this, Dukes admitted that perhaps he picked up the award oh. after it was ordered by the International Fighting Arts Association, the organization that runs the Kumite. So who runs the International Fighting Arts Association, you want to ask? It's unclear, but their address happens to be Frank Duke's home and an invoice for another IFAA trophy lists Dukes as the only contact for the association. I got to give it to him. This is BitConnect level of genius. It really <laughs> this is. is pretty incredible. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, we, you know, we've it. talked about diploma mills in our clown college series. This is like a trophy mill. And he started his own trophy mill. Yeah. That's even better. Yeah. It's like you made your own diploma mill. Like that's an extra level of like scam. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Now, that's all unfortunate, but perhaps the strangest claim Dukes makes about the Kumite is the sword he was awarded as a trophy. So we didn't just get like a big ass statue. We also got a fancy sword. When the LA Times asked to see it, he said he no longer had it because he sold it to pay ransom to free Filipino orphans. Quote, <laughs> I sold my sword. I have no regrets for it. It went for a good cause. It went to buy kids out of slavery who are on pirate ships. What they do is, these local chiefs, if you would, on Mindanoa and stuff, take these kids who are orphans, and they put them on these ships and go out to the South China Sea. The ships were crowded and uncomfortable. I'm talking what we call a normal bunk. They have four or five kids squeezed into that thing. They live out in the open elements. They die, and the Philippine government just turns a blind eye. Again, for a silent hero, he never wastes an opportunity to talk about how awesome he yes. is and how heroic he is. <laughs> yes, he is constantly talking. Duke sold the sword. He gave the pirates the money for the ransom. After that, they reneged on the offer. So Dukes had to oh, take a geez, different approach. Pirates. Quote, we took arms up and fought boat pirates, and we got these kids free. <laughs> I'm glad that he's you know, makes this distinction that they're boat pirates and not yes. you know, intergalactic pirates like Han Solo <laughs> or internet music pirates like Dylan Brent and myself. I mean, oh, yeah, oh, they're I not space pirates us. like in Super Metroid. Yeah. yeah. And why, why did Dukes need to take up arms to defeat these pirates? Isn't he like a, the greatest martial artist of all time? Like fight these pirates with your bare hands, Frank. They're so fast. I think he meant like his guns. Take wish. up arms. He uh. meant his like literal arms. You know, so despite the fact that they reneged on the offer, they did save the kids. And this whole story has a happy ending. Quote, many of them are now in the United States. I'm in touch with some of them and they love me to death. And I'll tell you, I've got one kid who's about 15 years old. All I have to do is look cross-eyed at one guy and he'll kill him for me. <laughs> wow, that's nice. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Pretty intense. We're going to end with the certainly false beliefs about <laughs> Frank Dukes's life with his autobiography. And this is called The Secret Man. Um, and it was written in 1996. And the cover is dominated by a brief description of Dukes's exploits. Quote, he was the CIA's finest covert operative, the subject of the martial arts film Bloodsport, a bridge to international organized crime. A legend on both sides of the Iron Curtain. His identity always concealed from the people he served. He was the secret man. <laughs> and one bizarre element of this is the use of ellipses, because this is not a quote, and so the ellipses are wholly unnecessary. <laughs> they didn't need to have them at all. The unnecessary uses of ellipses is the surest sign that you're reading a self-published book or a screenplay. Yeah, or a tweet from the President of the United States of America. Either that way. too. Yet, and yet, it was actually published by Harper Collins. Uh -oh. So, oh, Harper Collins, you, Harper what have you Collins. done? Yes, and there is a review of the uh, of the book from the Plain Dealer, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, which <laughs> I spent $3 to get. So I hope you're all happy with that. Wow. Nice. And the review um, has this little tidbit, quote, according to Dukes, covert is his middle name. CIA drug dealing in Burma? Dukes has the inside scoop. Raids on the Sandinistas? Ditto. Organized crime lords from the Yakuza to the Mafia? Necessary evil allies for Dukes. <laughs> Wet work in the Middle East? Dukes is the name. Frank Dukes. Wow. But the plane dealer also suggests that none of this might be accurate. Huh. 
They have a quote from Robert Gates. Yes, former Secretary of Defense (laughs) and at the time deputy under uh, DCI William Casey. And Robert Gates says this, quote, I never heard of this guy and no one I know in the intelligence community ever heard of him either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's the deep state and Dukes is as deep as it gets. Yeah, he's deep. He's deep in there. The deepest man. The plain dealer also talked to retired Major General John Singalob, who is actually name dropped in the book. Duke says in the book that he worked with this guy. His response is to say of the secret man, quote, virtually a complete fabrication. Uh, Virtually. There's some truth. Virtually. So I don't know what the true parts are. A former CIA official says, quote, the claims he makes are nonsense. The notion that Casey would have a guy like this going out and performing hits is ludicrous. <laughs> a guy like uh, Robert De Niro and the Irishman, though, maybe him, you know. Soldier of Fortune also had a review of this book. And according to former editor of Soldier of Fortune, Robert K. Brown, he was less than impressed with the secret man. Quote, <laughs> if one requires a literary laxative, this book ranks an 11 on a 1 to 10 scale. Dukes fails to name even one individual who can corroborate his fraud fantasies. A brain tumor is no justification for labeling the secret man as nonfiction. Oh, all right. Well, I I prefer my Uncle John bathroom reader as my literary laxative, personally. But the Latin version, of course. I'm not a fucking heathen. Yes, exactly. CIA spokesman Mark Mansfield confirmed to Soldier of Fortune that Dukes never worked for the CIA. Mansfield also says that the CIA speaking publicly about such claims is unusual, but that, quote, this individual's claims are so preposterous that we thought it was necessary and appropriate. No, no, it's they never do it. They just had to come out and do it here and smear Dukes because it's all true. Come on. Yeah, Yeah, that's probably why. Soldier of Fortune interviewed Dukes to try to explain some of these discrepancies. Dukes's two explanations were that his activities were secret, of course or that he forgot details because of that aforementioned brain tumor. Soldier of Fortune notes how strange it is that Dukes wrote a book about exposing CIA secrets and then refused to comment on claims because they needed to be kept secret. Lastly, I couldn't leave the Soldier of Fortune article without mentioning two less than savory bits from the article. The first is in reference to Dukes relying on his work with men who were already dead and could not verify the story. Soldier of Fortune said this, quote, Think of all the aging suburban women whose claim to fame is a jealously held fantasy about having slept with JFK. You get the idea. (laughs) The second is a show of support for some not-so-nice folks the CIA worked with in the past. Quote, The book is full of the politically correct anti-CIA sentiment, a sure winner in New York and Hollywood, and badmouths the Nicaraguan anti-Sandinistas and U.S.-friendly regimes just about everywhere. In case you are unfamiliar, the Nicaraguan anti-Sandinistas were the Contras. The Contras were famous for politically incorrect murders of civilians, nurses, doctors, and judges. Well, at so, least they were not politically correct SJWs, so hey, they are allies. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They um, Those murders <laughs> were definitely not in service of social justice. <laughs> <laughs> now, what does Frank Dukes have to say about all these criticisms? There's a few kind of things we pointed out that he responds to, but he has some kind of overall things, and he has some more recent responses to a lot of this stuff. First... According to that L.A. Times article, Dukes thinks his critics are, quote, part of a conspiracy to discredit him involving a Moriarty-like arch enemy half a continent away. I was going to say that Frank Dukes does kind of remind me of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Dukes's Moriarty is Stephen Hayes, quote, regarded by many as the best known ninja trainer in the country. Despite this reputation, Dukes thinks Hayes sees him as a threat and is even trying to undermine him. Oh, man, I can see it now. Bloodsport 4. Let's do this. Dukes versus Hayes. I want to see that. At the end, Hayes rips off the mask and it's Moriarty. Oh, (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Now, Hayes disputes all of this and himself has set up a, quote, extensive security system to protect against threats against him. Well, can it protect from a man that can easily and constantly do the splits? I don't know if I mentioned that. He can do the splits perfectly. And he does it a yeah, lot. I, I don't think it can. I okay. don't think it can. I think <laughs> I think he's going to get through if he really wants to. Lastly, an article in Art Voice that came out just a few years ago found evidence that contrary to the LA Times reporting in 1988, there was a man named Sanzo Tanaka living in California at roughly the time suggested by Dukes. They provide both a death certificate 
and documentation filed when Tanaka and his family came to the U.S. But comparing this Tanaka to the Tanaka discussed in Dukes' biography makes it unclear if these two could actually be the same person. Hmm. First, the real Tanaka's first name is Senzo with an E, where Dukes always spells it with an A, Sanzo. Dukes also claims that Tanaka lost favor in the martial arts community when he married an Irish American. But the real Tanaka immigrated to the U.S. already married to a woman named Say. Of course, it's possible that Say was an Irish American who moved to Japan, adopted a Japanese first name, and then moved back to America with Tanaka. <laughs> I suppose that's possible. Possible. I like that you're. I like how you're giving him an out there. That's very nice of you. I'm yeah. giving him an out. I'm trying to help here. You're doing the splits like John Claude Van Damme. You're just, just bending over. This backwards. is the intellectual Literally. splits here. You're, you're like the you're like the pundits on MSNBC that <laughs> talk about like how they're going to screw Trump. And then they give Trump all the ideas he needs to avoid getting screwed. Yeah, I'd be pretty good at that, I think. Yeah. Also, Dukes quotes Lawrence Day and Patriarch Donald Miskell. Uh, no, he doesn't say which is actually talking here. And he says that both of them say that Tanaka worked as a spy in part of the early stages of events that led up to World War II. Tanaka was also wanted for questioning and lived under assumed identities during the occupation of Japan. But the real Tanaka immigrated to the U.S. on June 3rd, 1940. Japan didn't enter World War II until the bombing of Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. So either Tanaka got started really early or else continued his spy work in the United States. No, the day that would live in infamy came earlier oh, than December 7th, 1941. That's I gotcha. Revisionist history, the, everything you thought was a lie. Ask Eric Von Donigan. Despite all these discrepancies... Duke seems to be familiar with these documents. In the, his biography, he mentions his theory that fellow martial artist Sanzo Jack Seki's father was actually Sanzo Tanaka because they shared many biographical details, including his Irish-American wife being born in 1888 and dying on September 1975. On this last point, Duke said he died in Japan, where the real Tanaka record appears to state he died in California, but that could just be his last residence. I don't know. Mm. Further, the LA Times... Another out. Yeah, another out. Further, the LA Times uncovered a manuscript co-written by Dukes about his time with Tanaka that said he died in July 30th, 1975, and was buried in California. They also mentioned that in an interview, Dukes claimed he didn't know if Tanaka was dead or alive at all. So, <laughs> lots of different stories. Hmm. Lastly, when the LA Times could not find a Sanzo Tanaka who died in California in the 1970s, the article having been written in 1988 before these documents came to light, Dukes' explanation was that Tanaka was living under an assumed name. And that name is Satoshi. <laughs> oh, man. No, no, I'm, I'm actually curious. I'm going to go through all the Ian Fleming 007 novels and see if there's a character named uh, Satoshi. I think that's that might give us a clue. That would be incredible. Yeah, totally. Now, the whole mystery is solved when you take a closer look at that Art Voice article, because the body of the article says the author is one Frank Parlato. That's what it says, like, in the body. But then if you look at, like, the cited article, so blogs will have the date and then they'll have, like, the official author, the cited author mm -hmm. and the author bio at the bottom belongs to a different person, Frank Dukes himself. Oh, <laughs> no outs at the and end. <laughs> <laughs> no outs at the end. And we're going to end with this. This was again from the LA Times article, quote, and this is a Frank Dukes quote. I discovered my own way, my own method, my own style. Nobody had ever seen it before. Nobody understood it. And I think that's exactly right about Frank Dukes's entire life. And with that, we are done with our episode on mm -hmm. Frank Dukes and the blood sport hoax. So Brent Forrest. What did you learn in today's episode? What most appealed to you? I finally learned why it is that Bloodsport is one of Donald Trump's favorite films. <laughs> Everything makes perfect sense now. I've got no further questions about that. I actually was impressed by the fractal-like nature of the falsehoods in Dukes' <sighs> life. incredible. Just like whack-a-mole, basically, of false statements yeah. and false things. Yeah. Again, again, it is it is refreshing to go back to the days where people really tried to cover up their bullshit. Yeah, I always totally. They actually took the time 
and the effort to do it. So I got to, you got to commend that. That's something that's it's a lost art, I believe. What about you, Dylan? So I think the most interesting part about this for me wasn't even Frank Dukes himself. It was kind of this whole community of like skeptics about military service and martial arts. Apparently these are two areas where a lot of bullshit is generated. Um, <laughs> a lot of folks are pretending to be in the military and pretending to be fancy, fancy martial arts folks. Finding those worlds of skepticism was really fun to me because, you know, I was kind of unfamiliar. You know, I, I imagined people would fake those kind of things, but to see the communities of people checking out those claims was the most interesting. And yeah, I think that's really about it. I mean, it makes sense why uh, the military and martial arts would have so many bullshit artists because it's such a macho thing. And yeah, like it's the most like cartoonish example of what like a true alpha male is. So I can right. see why it would attract that kind of personality. Yeah. And I feel like especially with the military, it could be difficult to verify these kinds of claims. And I think it's the kind of thing where you don't want to be wrong about it. Right. If somebody, it, it, you know, I don't if someone claims to be a Vietnam veteran, for example, I don't want to be wrong in claiming right. that they're not because yeah, I would feel like a total guy. piece of shit. You, like, you'll no, find, not. though, that, that typically people that were awarded the Medal of Honor and that did do uh, heroic things in the military, they usually don't mm. go around like flaunting it because yes. they're genuinely good yeah. altruistic people. Especially not and referring to themselves in the first person, too. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, that's, that's, another, that's another happen. giveaway. If, if, <laughs> if you refer your, to yourself in the third person, there's, <laughs> there's probably an issue. Yeah, no, and it is truly disgusting to go around telling people you're a war hero and you have all these right. medals and it's it, it really is, is re it really is fucking revolting and if you go on youtube and type in stolen valor you'll find all sorts of exciting stuff to watch just <laughs> letting you know okay and on that recommendation we are done <laughs> Thank you for listening to None Dare Call It Ordinary. You can find us on Twitter at NDCIO, Instagram at None Dare Call It Ordinary, and send us an email at None Dare Call It Ordinary at gmail.com. For only $1 a month, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash None Dare Call It Ordinary. For information on all our episodes, as well as links to our YouTube channel and Discord server, head over to our website at NoneDareCallItOrdinary.com. As always, we ask that you please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever your podcasts are served. <laughs>